0: Hi, Big Rammer here. This is For The Record, program number three, thirteen hundred and four, Albert Hoffman, the Nazis, and the CIA. This is being recorded on June 30th of the year 2023. Before getting into the main body of the program, three notes. Uh, first of all, please get in the habit of checking the Spitfire list dot com website on a regular basis uh, for the comments made by Perifractal. He is our brilliant contributing editor, and his comments, along with uh, intelligent comments made by other listeners, are an indispensable part of the well. I'm um, hesitant to call it before the record experience because it's more than that. The Spitfire List experience. Let's call it that. Please check the comments because there are many good comments being made by many contributors, Uh, none on the par of uh, Perafractal, however. Also, for those of you who find podcasts to be the best way, of consuming for the record sister station wfmu is podcasting for the record and so there is a description at the there is a link at the top of each written for the record description and at the top of each food for thought post that will enable you to subscribe to the wfmu podcast there is also a 32 gigabyte flash drive available with all of my life's work both printed ...and recorded, as well as a library of old anti-fascist books on easy-to-download PDF files. That flash drive, uh, again, contains everything that is on the SpitfireList.com website, and it is available for a very small fee. I get no money whatsoever from that, uh, perhaps confirming my worst critic's uh, confirmation or affirmation that I am nuts. In any event, uh, the, to get the flash drive, there is a link at the top of each food for thought descri- each, each food for thought post and each for the record description that will enable you to do that. The flash drive will be updated shortly. Now the title of this program, Albert Hoffman, the Nazis and the CIA, refers to Albert Hoffman generally described as the father of LSD. He was a chemist with Sanbos, a Swiss-based pharmaceutical company. And we will get into Sandoz and two other companies whom I must admit I've never heard the names of which are uh, pronounced aloud. One is, I'm going to call Ciba, C-I-B-A, and the other, Gaiji, G-E-I-G-Y. Those two firms, together with Sandoz, comprised the Swiss Branch of what was to become I.G. Farben. I will talk more about that in a second. Uh, the vast bulk of the material for our program comes from a very important book entitled A Parable Mistake, subtitled The Murder of Frank Olson and the CIA's Secret Cold War Experiments. This was authored by the rape heroic Hank Alberelli and published in hardcover by Pine Bay. Copyright 2009 by Hank Alberelli. This is the story of the uh, dosing with LSD and the murder, subsequently, of Frank Olson, who was employed as a scientist by the CIA uh, and the various other U.S. national security entities. Uh, Albert Hoffman has enjoyed, uh, I think, some rather good press, particularly uh, from the so-called counterculture of the 60s. Again, he is viewed as uh, something of an avatar in some quarters. In fact, Albert Hoffman has a history of uh, working with some very insidious elements. Sandbo's, the company with which he uh, did his work, was part of what became the Swiss branch of I.G. Farben. More about that in a second. But turning to uh, Hank Albarelli's book, again, A Parable Secret, The Murder of Frank Olson and the CIA's Secret Cold War Experiments, Albert Hoffman was deeply involved in those. A passage about a CIA-subsidized anthropologist named Gordon Wasson, last name W-A-S-S-O-N, talks about Albert Hoffman. And uh, when Wasson was sending some of his uh, psilocybin mushrooms, or the derivatives thereof, to Sandoz, uh, that work was basically being uh, overseen by, among others, Albert Hoffman and also the CIA. bringing to Hank parable, A Terrible Mistake, excuse me, Watson also sent, Watson also sent his samples to Albert Hoffman at Sandow's Labs in Switzerland. Hoffman, according to Watson, was doing the key work synthesizing the active ingredients of the examples, of the samples, excuse me, one more time. Watson also sent his samples to Albert Hoffman at Sandow's Labs in Switzerland. Hoffman, according to Watson, quote, was doing the key work synthesizing the active ingredients of the samples. What Wasson again did not realize was that the fruits of all of his and Hoffman's labors were being plucked from the vine by the U.S. Army and CIA, both of whom since at least 1948 had covert operatives working in the Sandoz laboratories. More about Albert Hoffman's work with the CIA, skipping down, in the same interview Wilson said that Albert Hoffman, quote, worked in some way with the CIA, unquote, and that Hoffman's, quote, discoveries were imparted in whole by Sandoz to the U.S. government. Sandoz wanted to be on the right side of things, unquote. Hoffman's connections to the CIA... Hopman's connection to the CIA has never been officially confirmed by the CIA, which maintains a policy of not commenting on or revealing information on foreign citizens who find their way into its employment. Former agency officials have commented anonymously that several Sando scientists and officials, including Hopman, maintain a close relationship with the CIA, but the quote, agency never fully trusted the Swiss unquote. And, again, Quobing always held a dual insurance policy with Sandoz, unquote, by vetting and placing covert employees within the firm's laboratories and administration, meaning some of the management figures in Sandoz at the time. Now, again, uh, Sandoz, along with two companies, I'm going to call them Cyber or CIBA and GEIGY, I've never heard either name pronounced aloud. Uh, those two companies, along with Sandoz, were set up in the aftermath of World War I in order to compete with the German chemical and industry. Ultimately, when the IG Farben Chemical Cartel was formed, uh, basically midwived by John Foster Bellis at Sullivan and Cromwell, when that cartel was formed, eventually, uh, the three companies, Sandoz, Siba, and Gaiji, that were set up to compete with it, were absorbed into it and became part of the IG Farben cartel. Albert Hoffman is very well known for having synthesized LSD while working with Sandoz in 1938. And then he supposedly took a little bit and went on a bicycle ride in 1943 and had all sorts of wonderful experiences and uh, discoveries. And that in many ways was the initiation of what uh, over the decades was to to become known as the psychedelic experience. It also uh, applies to experiences with mescaline and psilocybin and other hallucinogens. What is not as well known, however, is that when Albert Hoffman took his storied bicycle ride, the company that he worked for, and in fact all three Swiss firms that were associated with I.G. Farben, were under indictment in the United States for having collaborated with Nazi Germany. We talk about this in Photo Record 1135, and I'm going to recap part of that. This is from one of the books that is available for download for free on the SpitfireList.com website. It's called Treason's Peace, German Buys and American Dupes by Howard Watson Ambruster, A-M-B-R-U-S-T-E-R, published in hardcover by the Beechhurst Press, Beechhurst Press copyright again, uh, well, published in 1947. Now, about uh, Sandoz, uh Siba, and Gaiji, and their being under indictment in the U.S., we read as follows. Another indictment accusing General Amelon and General Dostoff of conspiracy in the buy industry was filed in the New Jersey District Court on May 14, 1942. But in this instance, Farben, local address still unknown, was named only as a co-conspirator. Those invited included DuPont, Allied Chemical and Dye, and American Cyanamid, and also Farben affiliates the American Siba, Sandbos, and Gaiji. Some 20 officers of the corporate defendants, including Ernest K. Halbach and two of his Farben pals, were also indicted in this case. The alleged Conspiracy included worldwide restrictions in the manufacture, distribution, import, and export of stuff stemming up of the international cartel set up in 1928, in which co-conspirator Farben was the dominant influence. A long list of other co-conspirators included the Swiss Saiba, Sandoz, and Geishi companies, with Cincinnati Chemical Works, their jointly owned American concern. Imperial, Imperial Chemical Industries and its Canadian subsidiary, the French Kulman, Japan's Mitsui, and DuPont ICI branches in Brazil and the Argentine. In this case, Antitrust spread its largest net and landed speckled fish of many varieties and many nations. All had been gathered in Farben's net of the world's dye industry. When Secretary of War Stimson and a prime general Bible agreed to postpone the trial until it would not interfere with war production, one justice department official was quoted as saying sourly, quote, first they hurt the war effort by their restricted practices, and then, if caught, they used the war effort as an excuse to avoid prosecution, unquote. A tug-of-war went on under cover over whether to compromise, dismiss, or forget this case. Finally, compromise one. In April of 1946, after Tom Clark had become Attorney General, the indictments were completely dismissed as to 11 of the defendants, including General Bostoff's celebrated Hallback, and were partially dismissed as to four of the corporations and eight of the other individuals named. At the same time, pleas of no low which is equivalent to guilty, were entered, and the Justice Department notified the court that under these circumstances, it would not be in the public interest to stay the trial. No decree was entered by the court, so the contracts were not officially abrogated. Uh, no, indeed, they weren't, and it was in the immediate post-World War II period that many of the Nazi-abonded individuals and institutions and also individuals and institutions that had uh, been working with the Japanese in uh, Asia began to network with and to work for the U.S. in various capacities. Uh, perhaps in addition to the Galen Spire Organization, about which we've spoken many times, uh, there is also the celebrated Project Paperclip, in which many of the Nazi scientists who have worked for the Third Reich jump to the U.S. In For the Record Program 1123, we gave some background to some of the, uh, project paperclip machinations and we noted in that broadcast that by the time the Dachau Medical Experiments uh, trial at Nuremberg was taking place, this, a trial of doctors and, uh, individuals who had been involved with the Dachau Medical Experiments, by the time that case or those cases came to trial, and the uh, in, the legal uh, eagle, so to speak, who presided over that trial was none other than Leon Jaworski, who went on to become Watergate's special prosecutor. He was a Warren Commission counsel. He also, along with Robert Story. Was in charge of the Texas Court of Inquiry. That was the Texas state body that was put together to the, allegedly investigate the assassination of JFK. Robert Story, as Colonel Robert Story, passed down the, the, the order to relax the anti- or the denazification order at Nuremberg. That helped to pave the way for Paperclip, the Galen Org, etc. One of the things that we spoke about in the the Record 1123 was not only the fact that the Bajau Medical Experiments trial was presided over by Leon Jaworski, but at that point in time, by the time the case came to trial, five of the defendants had already signed contracts to work for the U.S. under paperclip. We also noted in that program that the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute's uh, aviation medicine subsidiary was uh, basically centrally involved in the Dachau Medical Experiments. We also noted that work at the Kaiser Wilhelm uh, Aeromedical Aeromedical Medicine Facility continued apace through the close of the Third Reich right on up into uh, service for the Americans. Basically, the pictures of Hitler and Hermann Goering were taken down. They were replaced with pictures of Harry Truman and Dwight Eisenhower, and the work continued apace. Apparently at the Dachau uh, concentration camp, there was also some serious experimentation with psychoactive drugs. Mescaline was one of them, and uh, there are certainly indications that LSD might have been used as well, although no hard documentation has emerged that I'm aware of. Uh, The documentation on the chemical experiments at Dachau uh, is scanty and probably incomplete. What's worth noting is that the experiments at Dachau were, um, um using psychoactive chemicals such as mescaline were at the instigation of a branch of the SS called the Annenerbe, or the Ancestral Research Branch of the Nazi SS. They were involved in various things, including expeditions to Tibet, expeditions to the Amazon to uh, gather psychoactive plants and other uh, potentially useful plants. And but uh, we've spoken in the past about the Dalai Lama, his Nazi SS tutor, and the fact that he remained uh, very close. To Bruno Begay, who was a member of the 19, I think it was 1938, maybe 1939, SS expedition to Tibet. And he was also a Class A war criminal. After coming back from Tibet, he at one point wanted to study some 130 odd prisoners of war. Uh, who were deemed to have Asiatic features, so we had them killed using a cyanide spray so that their skeletons could be studied for anthropological use. Nonetheless, Bruno, be- Bruno Begay in the early 90s was part of the Tibetan government in exile, and apparently his war criminal activities, uh, did nothing to, uh, diffuse his endearment to the Dalai Lama or his position as part of the Tibetan government in exile. We're going to read about the Anamirba and about its initiation of the mescaline experiments at at Dachau. And apparently the documentation on those was unearthed as part of the documentation... Uh, on, quote, German aviation medical experiments at the Dachau concentration camp. That was the same uh, body of research uh, that was linked to the uh, Kaiser Wilhelm Institute of Aeromedical Medicine that we spoke about, and that was also uh, obviously involved with the Dachau medical experiments, five of the perpetrators of which had already signed contracts to work for the U.S., when the cases came to trial in the post-World War II period, presided over by Leon Jaworski. Of the Ama and uh, its initiation of the psychoactive chemical experiments at Bacow, we read... uh, By the way, Green here is Dr. L. Wilson Green, who was the scientific director of the Edgewood Arsenal in Maryland. And we read, Green was intrigued with the report and became fascinated with the possibility of employing mind altering drugs as a more, quote, humane, unquote, weapon of war. He spoke with members of the Chemical Corps team and learned that OSS and Office of Naval Intelligence Officials under the auspices of the U.S. Naval Technical Mission had produced a number of studies, including one top-secret report detailing Nazi experiments entitled German Aviation Medical Experiments at the Bachau Concentration Camp. After reviewing nearly 300 pages of the report, Green was disappointed to find fewer than two pages devoted to Nazi drug experiments. However, he noticed several unexplained references to an intriguing research institute called Basananerba, apparently operated by Reichsfuhrer Heinrich Himmler's dreaded SS, which at least one writer deemed, quote, The New Knights Templar, defending the Nazi, quote, faithful, unquote. It appeared that Das Ammererba was the organization responsible for ordering and conducting the horrific drug experiments at Dachau and other locations. L. Wilson Green doggedly pursued the subject, and after subsequent meetings with Army G-2 intelligence officers and further review of a large cache of captured documents, he was able to learn a great deal more about the activities of the Ananerba. In short, Himmler, along with the occultist Hermann Wirth, W-I-R-T-H, and race-obsessed Richard Walter Beret, D-A-R-O-R-E, had founded the Armenwerbe in 1935. It was set up as a Nazi think tank and quote, research unquote, institute dedicated to anything under the sun that could be seen as promoting the anthropological and cultural history and quote, superiority unquote, of the so-called Aryan race. The Anamerba's founding papers stated its primary objective was to, quote, promote the science of ancient intellectual history, unquote. Its guiding thought, as enunciated by Himmler, was, quote, a folk lives happily in the present and the future as long as it is aware of its past and the greatness of its ancestors, unquote. The Anamerba operated a vast number of branches and over 30 programs including, quote, folk, unquote, research, Religious history, astronomy, geophysics, biology, botany, expeditions, cave studies, natural history and plant genetics, and preparations. In April of 1945, American troops stumbled across a massive cache of army files hidden in a dark bank cave called Klimas Teufelstock, the Wiffle Devil's Hole near the Bavarian, the Bavarian village of Pottenstein. For the next four years, American intelligence officials closely studied the captured documents, eventually sending many to the Army's Edward Arsenal and Camp Dietrich. Green was amazed to read that Army funded expeditions had spent months in the jungles of South America and the mountains of Tibet in search of exotic, hallucinogenic substances and plants. Documents revealed that numerous samples had been collected and returned to Germany from one from one extensive trip to Amazonia, South America's Amazon rainforest. One more time. Documents revealed that numerous samples had been collected and returned to Germany from one extensive trip to Amazonia, South Americans, South America's Amazon rainforest. Another excursion to, to Tibet and the Forbidden City of Lhasa was able to amass, amass huge amounts of mind-altering substances the teams also tracked the mystical Himalayas where they collected every plant specimen that caught their fancy. Within weeks of launching his research, Dr. Green came across documents that threw more light on the member funded Mescaline experiments. Years later, in 1961, French writer Christian Bernardac, Bernadac would use the same files to account for the horrors of Rachau. Bernenbach reveals that, that the one more time. Bernenbach reveals that the Ananerba, one more time, reveals that the Ananerba performed extensive experiments at Dachau and other camps with, quote, a Mexican plant, a tiny, formless cactus, peojo, combining the required properties and potentialities, and another Mexican plant that, that he said was, quote, Siniquichi, S-I-N-I-C-U-I-C-H-I, an auditory hallucinogenic, which robbed those who assimilated it of their memory, unquote. Bremenbach speaks of progenitors of peyote and mescaline, citing the wheat Indians of Mexico and an obscure early 1900s New York cult leader Joseph Rave, R-A-V-E, who replaced the communion wafer with a, quote, drink of light, unquote, comprised of mescaline. Also extolled were brothers Julian and Aldous Huxley, who tripped repeatedly on mescaline and LSD. Bernabach then reveals that eight Dachau inmates were selected for rogue experiments conducted by SS physician Colonel Kurt Plopper. P L O P P E R. In vivid detail, Bernabach, who interviewed one of the former inmates, Arthur Houlot, H-A-U-L-O-T, writes that Colonel Plotter handed Houlot a glass of cognac laced with mescaline. Hello recounted that nothing happened for the next two hours. Quote, then I began to be aware of the effects of the poison, Hello said. I saw an extraordinary and incredibly colored vision. The visions kept on coming. They started to come quite quickly until I felt that my head was entirely filled with these creations. For me, these visions assumed geometric forms shifting from long boards to undulating curves. Each of them arose from a source, a central point of very profound violet, out of which they pulsed with a rhythm that I felt as a music, taking on both the subtlest and the richest of colors, unquote. After a while, Parker walked over to Auro, Auro, and asked, quote, listen to me carefully, do you think that with a man in your condition, it would be possible to get him to say things that he doesn't want to admit, unquote. Although recalled, quote, It took a great deal of effort for me to understand his question, and I answered it very decidedly that it wouldn't be possible, unquote. About an hour later, Plotter asked the same question. At that time, unquote, Elo said, I was dominated by the visions which kept growing richer and more vividly covered all the time, so that the fact of being forced to return to reality, and particularly to open my eyes and reason, seemed to me to be an agony beyond any comparison with all that I had suffered until then in three years of life in the concentration camp." Unquote. With effort, although answered, yes, everything, unquote. and then he added, asked me if I killed my father and my mother, I'd say yes, just to get you to lead me in peace. Plotter laughed and left the room. Soon after reading about the Baja medical experiments, Green's attention turned to the powerful drug about which he had been alerted months earlier through pop-secret army reports from Europe. Right away, Green said, he, quote, was struck by the physical proximity of the laboratory doing the most to the fine ergot and the camp where most of the mescaline experiments was performed. Ergot, by the way, is a mole. We're going to talk more about that in a second. Uh, When it grows on a grain, it produces a number of chemicals, one of which is LSD25, and also uh, some powerful vasoconstrictors that uh, can produce uh, gangrene. We're going to talk about the apparent dosing of a town in France with air gut and or LSD in just a minute, Uh, that may very well have been done by agents of the U.S. National Security Establishment, and certainly Albert Hoffman appears to have actively covered that up. More about that in a second. Right away, Labor said, again, he was in charge of scientific uh, activity. He was a scientific director at Edward Arsenal. Right away, Labour said he was, quote, was struck by the physical proximity of the laboratory doing m- the most to refine ergot and the camp where most of the mescaline experiments was performed, unquote. The Sandow's laboratories in Basel, Switzerland, were only 400 kilometers or 248 miles away from Bachau. Green went back to his recently received reports from Army intelligence and refreshed himself with the account of, quote, what we thought was then the most mostly by chance discovery of LSD in 1942 or 1943 by Hoffman at Sanbos. or my pun. Green went back to his recently received reports from Army intelligence and refreshed himself with the account of, quote, what we thought was then the mostly by chance discovery of LSD-25 in 1943, 1942 or 1943 by Hoffman at Sandoz, unquote. And then quoting from the document, The company site in Basel was separated from Germany by the Rhine River, and Basel's economic backbone was comprised of the corporate trinity of Sandoz, Hoffman La Roche, Cyber-Gygy, all large pharmaceutical firms. Green learned that Hoffman had actually worked under the direction of the highly respected physician, Arthur Stoll, S-T-O-L-L, founder and director of Sandoz's aggressive drug research program. During World War I, Stoll had been an associate in Berlin to the world-famous chemist and Nobel laureate Dr. Richard Willstaller, W-I-L-L-S-T-A-P-P-E-R. Around the same time Hoffman was hired by Sandoz, according to Green's findings, Stoll's laboratory was diligently working on ways to isolate and prepare in pure form, quote, the impact active principles of medicinal plants whose active principles are unstable or whose potency is subject to variation. This objective was particularly attracted to Hoffman because of his deep interest in the development of natural chemical products. Said Green, quote, Spohr's laboratory was concentrating its efforts on such plants as foxglove, Mediterranean Squil, that's squill, that's L, and ergot, unquote. Beginning in 1946 through to mid-1949, Green recounted, quote, after three Sandoz researchers volunteered to self-administer LSD-25 in order to confirm and possibly rec- replicate Hopman's wondrous experience, unquote, with the drug to a very skeptical Arthur Stoll, Stoll's son, Dr. Werner A. Stoll, a psychiatrist at the Bloiler Clinic in Zurich, undertook a number of human experiments on about 20 people at the University of Zurich, unquote. Uh, by the way, the um, Bloyer Clinic is capital B L E U L E R. may be mispronouncing that, no, actually 22 people in these human experiments at the University of Zurich. Green found that documentation concerning these experiments was scant, and McCall would he later term, quote, troubling rumors or gossip, unquote, that the experiments or related tests resulted in, quote, at least one death, possibly more, unquote, involving one, quote, unwitting mental patient, unquote, the suicide of one nurse, unquote, and the death in Geneva of a woman physician who had been depressed, unquote, had to pick an LSD-25, and became more depressed, quote, killing herself three weeks later, unquote. In August of 1949, as we have seen in Chapter 5 of Book 1, Dr. Green published his report advancing psychochemical warfare as, quote, a new concept of war, unquote. And we're going to continue with this in just a second. Uh, what is quite interesting is to contemplate the, uh, one hesitates to call it the psychedelic uh, subculture, but the, uh, culture that grew up around the uh, hate aspect and the summer of love, and, uh, it was, uh, being to be uh, peace-oriented, and in fact, uh, the programs, as we just saw, that were used to develop hallucinogenic drugs were part of a way of, uh, were part of a plan to experiment on these and see if they could be used to uh, wage a somewhat more humane uh, type of warfare, certainly dosing somebody with psychoactive drugs, is more humane than blowing them up or shooting them or whatever. But as we'll see, it can be very, very destructive indeed. Now, one of the things to which we referred was the ergot mold. That's E-R-G-O-T. That is a mold that forms on grains. It's been known for a long time. And ergot produces several chemicals, one of which is LSD 25 it also produces a severe uh, vasoconstrictor which can produce gangrene in some of the subjects and there are indications uh, that in fact uh, a city or a, a town in southern france was deliberately dosed with uh well ergot and uh As we'll see, uh, the behavior of Albert Hoffman in connection with this uh, is noteworthy because it manifests what in legal, uh, what in law is known as the consciousness of guilt principle. When called upon to uh, analyze and comment on the Pont-Saint-Esprit outbreak of apparent ergot poisoning or contamination, Albert Hoffman, although he clearly saw that the outbreak in Pont-Saint-Esprit, again a town in southern France, was uh, consistent with uh, ergot poisoning or ergot uh, contamination, he went out of his way to attribute the phenomenon that we're about to examine to a mercury compound which was not something that was involved with this outbreak, and indeed it was Hoffman himself who noted that the mercury compound was not uh, apparently responsible for what took place in Pont-Saint-Esprit, despite the fact that he officially he did attribute the outbreak to mercury. Again, uh, the legal principle of consciousness of guilt is fundamental here. And what we're going to read next is the account of the outbreak of Pont-Saint-Esprit in Provence in southern France on August 16th of 1951. Behold the town, situated on the Rhône River, that's R-H-O-M-E. founded in the 5th century, is the town of Pont-Saint-Esprit in the Languedoc-Roussillon region of southern France. It is 1951, yet with any visitor with to gaze about, He or she would see few, if any, trappings of modernity. Indeed, any visitor would easily feel they have been transported back at least a thousand years in time. Observed one visitor in 1951, the area surrounding the town has lain for centuries, comparatively untouched by the convulsions that have sent the remainder, that have rent the remainder of the world, as it is witnessed by the numerous Roman and medieval buildings that still remain intact. It is a place where, so one might imagine, nothing ever happened here." Unquote. August 16th, 1951, had begun as yet another uneventful day in the idyllic town until two hours before noon when a young farmer stumbled through the front door of Dr. Jean Vieux, V-I-E-U. The man, who lived nearby, was babbling incoherently and waving his arms about as if he was being attacked by a swarm of bees. No sooner had Dr. Vieux managed to calm the man than the second neighbor appeared at his door. This man, too, was ramping nonsensically and seemed to be in the grip of wild hallucinations. It took Vieux and two assistants nearly an hour to convince the man that the snakes he claimed were slithering about his insides were not consuming him. Five minutes later, a fur man, also acting bizarrely, arrived at the doctor's door. Soon, and for the remainder of the day, the bewildered doctor was inundated by a stream of strangely, often wildly disoriented pounds people. By nightfall, he was doing his best to treat nearly 75 delirious patients, 22 of whom had to be sheltered in the barn because the local hospital was overflowing with stricken victims. Doctors were summoned from surrounding areas, and they too were baffled by what was happening. Many patients had to be forcibly tied to their beds. When nurses ran out of rope, they used horse harnesses. Some patients managed to break free of their restraints and ran screaming through the streets. An 11-year-old boy threw his mother to the ground and tried to strangle her. A local politician stripped off his clothes, and merrily danced naked in the town square. An elderly man ran about yelling, quote, My belly is full of snails. They are burning me to death. I am in the water, unquote. When he finally sat down, he said, quote, I am now sending out radio messages everywhere. Get me an x-ray. Get me the x-ray and you can see, unquote. One young man in his early twenties, had become so violent that he had to be subdued by three ambulance attendants. Even the attendants could not restrain the man who viciously fought them, and two more came to their assistance. With considerable effort, the five men were able to put the crazed young victim into a straitjacket. But as they tried to fasten it, the young man suddenly pushed the attendants away, ripped the jacket from his body, and tore the thick canvas down the middle into two pieces. Eventually, the young man was tied down with thick leather straps in a prone position on his back onto a cot in the local jail cell. Within minutes, however, he had loosened one strap and chewed the others to pieces with such a frenzy and intensity that some of his teeth fell out of his bloody mouth. When he finally managed to break loose, he screamed that monsters were attacking him and he seized the metal bars of his cell frantically trying to escape. With superhuman strength, he was able to bend them slightly before he was again restrained. Another young lad of about 12 years of age ran about the town screaming that dead people were rising up out of the ground at a nearby cemetery. Quote, They're coming to eat us. They're coming to eat us alive, unquote, warned the frantic boy. A young woman in her late teens tore off her dress and went about in her underwear mimicking the sounds of farm animals. A mother woman went from door to door announcing that the Second Coming was at hand, shouting, quote, The Son of God will be here at any moment. Repent now while there is still time, unquote. A five-year-old girl told her mother, Tigers are going to eat us all. They're going to rip us to pieces, unquote. The girl pointed to the ceiling of her room and cried, Blood is dripping down on everything. Can't you stop the blood, unquote? Dogs and cats were not immune to the outbreak and were also behaving oddly. Several animals dropped dead. One dog sat in the town square and howled at the sun for nearly an hour before someone hauled it away. A police officer called to the scene, remarked later that there had been no sexual acts, rapes, or molestations committed during the incident. This, despite the fact that many people seemed possessed by an odd euphoria, and went about prof- profusely professing love for the world and all its inhabitants. As one Paris reporter described the Pound's bizarre outbreak, quote, It is neither Shakespeare nor Edgar Poe. It is, alas, the sad reality all around Pont-Saint-Esprit and its environments, where terrifying scenes of hallucinations are taking place. They are scenes straight out of the Middle Ages, scenes of horror and pathos full of sinister shadows. The doctors are beside themselves with work. The rumors are wild and contradictory. Fear hangs over the town everywhere. No one knows when it will end. With every passing hour, rumors and speculation ran rampant about the cause of the spontaneous outbreak of insanity. Some townspeople claimed that the local gendarme had poisoned the town's water supply. A story circulated that a madman was running amok pouring poison into food and water. Another claimed that a defrocked priest had placed a horrendous curse on the town and was performing black masses that were resulting in the spreading madness. Satan himself was said to have been released from the depths of hell onto Earth. Other, more pragmatic rumors were also circulating. Uh, Look at these rumors, and then we're going to see something that uh, certainly will lend a degree of gravitas to those rumors. Perhaps on the morning of the outbreak, that low-flying, unmarked aircraft had sprayed the town with an unknown substance. Or... It could have been those well-dressed foreign strangers who had passed through the town the day before, who had perhaps performed diabolical beads in their wake. Maybe some soldiers bearing strange insignia had silently swept through the town's outskirts the night before, bearing strange insignia, at one more time. Or it could have been those well-dressed foreign strangers who had passed through the town the day before, who had perhaps performed diabolical deeds in their wake. Maybe some soldiers bearing strange insignia had silently swept through the town's outskirts the night before, releasing colored vapors from odd handheld devices. By August 18th, 50 homes in the town were being used as emergency wards. Over 250 people had fallen victim to the mysterious malady. 32 people had been carried off to an insane asylum on the outskirts of Marseille, and four people were dead, three men and one woman. The fatal cases were poorly documented. Local doctor Albert Albert Gabi, G-A-B-B-I, and two colleagues examined the dead and concluded, quote, three of these people were old and in bad health. The woman had hyperthyroidism. One of the men was only 25 years old and had been in good health previously, unquote. Gabby reported that all four people, quote, died in muscular spasm and in a state of cardiovascular collapse. The blood urea was raised to 150 milligrams per 100 milliliters. The woman showed at her death a moist gangrene of the toes, unquote. Children, according to Gabby's group, developed disorders more quickly than adults. In two cases, Gabby stated, we observed epileptiform convulsions controlled by barbiturates, unquote. The doctors summarized their findings as best they could. An interesting feature of some cases was that the delirium was the first serious sign to be noted. It then appeared very late, between 10 to 12 days after the first onset of the poisoning. It is difficult to know just how many people presented with only slight disorders, disturbances of digestion, and sleep, but it was about 150. A pregnant woman was seen with frank hemorrhages and several women menstruated prematurely. Now that we have gathered the documents together, 15 days after the poison was taken, it is still too soon to give a definite balance sheet. Nevertheless, we can foresee the complete disappearance of the vascular disorders, but we cannot say what the effect will be on the minds of some of the patients, in particular on the minds of alcoholics who fell victim to the poison. I'll note again some of the rumors that were going around. I'm going to these. Other, more pragmatic rumors were also circulating. Perhaps on the morning of the outbreak, that low-flying aircraft had sprayed the town with an unknown substance, or it could have been those well-dressed foreign strangers who had passed through the town the day before, who had performed who had perhaps performed diabolical deeds in their wake. Maybe some soldiers bearing strange insignia had silently swept through the town's outskirts the night before, releasing colored vapors from odd handheld devices. Those rumors uh, may have had some. Uh, grounding in substance, because before we get back to Albert Hoffman and his very suspicious behavior with regard to the Pont-Saint-Esprit outbreak, we note the following. This is about Dr. Johnson, who had written about the Pont-Saint-Esprit outbreak. Nor could Dr. Johnson or other medical authorities know that at the time of the Pont-Saint-Esprit outbreak, a group of Camp Dietrich scientists just happened to be visiting France. The evidence is in Frank Olson's passport as well as the passports of other SOD scientists. Nor was Johnson aware that Sandoz and CIA officials were engaged in discreet, ongoing discussions about the, quote, secret of Pont Saint-Esprit. One more time. Nor could Dr. Johnson or other medical authorities have known that at the time of the Pont-Saint-Esprit outbreak, a group of Camp Dietrich scientists just happened to be visiting France. The evidence is in Frank Olsen's passport, as well as the passports of other SOD scientists. Nor was Johnson aware that Sandoz and CIA officials were engaged in discreet, ongoing discussions about the, quote, secret of Pont-Saint-Esprit. Well, indeed, and uh, one of those SAMBOs, possibly CIA officials, was none other than Albert Hoffman. And again, uh, I want to note here how Albert Hoffman misattributed the Paul Sampas outbreak to uh, contamination by the victims with a mercury compound that would not produce the symptoms noted. And yet, in uh, a speech given to other scientists, uh, Albert Hoffman was dismissive of the notion that a mercury compound could have uh, produced the symptoms that were observed at Pont-Saint-Esprit. Now, this, again, is the legal principle of consciousness of guilt. Uh, we'll begin with uh, what Albert Hoffman, well, his, his presence in Pont-Saint-Esprit and how he misattributed the outbreak to a mercury compound. And again, there's a book uh, by a Mr. Fuller Fuller, that talks about this. Much overlooked in Fuller's book is a brief section about the presence of Sandoz Company researcher Dr. Albert Hoffman in Point Saint-Esprit during the summer of 1951. Hoffman himself has briefly and parenthetically mentioned the French outbreak in his own book, LSD, My Problem Child, first published in 1979, but for some reason, he does not mention that he was in the town of Pont-Saint-Esprit in the days immediately following the outbreak. Hoffman's account is not only parenthetical, but of questionable accuracy. The mass poisoning, and I'm quoting here, the mass poisoning in the southern France city of Pont-Saint-Esprit in the year 1951, which many have attributed to ergot containing bread, actually had nothing to do with ergotism. It rather involved poisoning by an organic mercury compound that was utilized for disinfecting seeds, unquote. Elsewhere, Hoffman again downplays or evades the truth about the etiology of Pont-Saint-Esprit's Days of Madness. In an eloquently written chapter of Gordon Lawson's classic The Road to Eleusis, Hoffman provides an overview of the, quote, storied past, unquote, of Urgot of Lide, but hopefully overlooks Pont Saint-Esprit. Note that again, this last sentence again. In an eloquently written chapter of Gordon Lawson's classic The Road to Eleusis, that's capital E-L-E-U-S-I-S, Hoffman provides an overview of the, quote, storied past, unquote, of Urgot of Lide, but hopefully overlooks Pont-Saint-Esprit. Dr. Fuller informs his readers that in August of 1951, after Hoffman and his superior, Dr. Arthur Stoll, learned of the Pont-Saint-Esprit outbreak, they were, quote, alarmed because the psychogenic symptoms were identical to those of LSD-25, and the two of them were sitting on top of the knowledge of the possible explanation for egotism hysterique might lie personally in the discovery of the new drug, unquote. Fuller, who interviewed Hoffman and Stoll, wrote that the two physicians, quote, lost no time getting in touch with Professor Gaston Giraud, capital G-I-R-A-U-B, at the University of Montpellier, and within days, a meeting was held with many doctors involved in the Pont Saint-Esprit case, unquote. Professor Giraud was a lead scientific investigator into the incident. At this meeting, Hopman and Stoll, quote, revealed their new studies to the assembled doctors and compared the results to those of Le Pain Maudit, the damned bread, unquote. Fuller continues, They reviewed all the facts together, how the ergot forms on rye grain, then ferments under certain conditions of humidity, liberating several alkaloids of ergot. LSD-25, it was noted, was one of the alkaloids produced by the fermentation of ergot. Hoffman pulled no punches when he talked to the doctors gathered at Montpellier. He described the discovery of the new drug as, quote, appalling, frightful, and shocking, unquote. He told them that, regrettably, if it were improperly used and distributed, it might bring more destruction than the atomic bomb. Highlighting the psychogenic effects of LSD-25 and historical e- ergotism, which were strikingly similar, he condensed them into two main categories. One, magical and enchanting hallucinations of colors in the nature of Ali Baba's cave, and two, atrocious hallucinations, including changes in distances or with the ceiling descending and the walls closing in on the victim. The new discovery did not produce direct erotic symptoms, as hashish and other drugs often did. The doctors at the meeting agreed that mercury poisoning was not evident in any manner, especially because of the persistent lack of kidney or liver damage. The evidence was stronger now than it had ever been. Urgotism Especially in the light of the traces of ergot found in the analyses at the Marseille laboratories, was unquestionably the probable cause of the rare outbreak. And again, uh, note the following: and the, the again, the principle of consciousness of guilt is fundamental here. Uh, re- revering in a couple of sections, nor could Dr. Johnson or other medical authorities have known that at the time of the Pont Saint-Esprit outbreak. A group of Camp Dietrich scientists just happened to be visiting France. The evidence is in Frank Olson's passport, as well as the passports of other SOD scientists. Nor was Johnson aware that Sandoz and CIA officials were engaged in discreet, ongoing discussions about the, quote, secret upon Saint-Esprit, unquote. And again, uh, note the following again, I know this is repeating, but again, The the, the Principle of Consciousness of Guilt. Much overlooked in Fuller's book is a brief section moving the presence of Sandoz Company researcher Dr. Albert Hoffman in Pont-Saint-Esprit during the summer of 1951. Hoffman himself has briefly and parenthetically mentioned the French outbreak in his own book, LSD, My Problem Child, first published in 1979. But for some reason, he does not mention that he was in the town of Pont-Saint-Esprit in the days immediately following the outbreak. Hopman's account is not only parenthetical, but of questionable accuracy. The mass poisoning in the southern French city of pont saint The mass poisoning in the southern France city of Pont-Saint-Esprit in the year 1951, which many have attributed to ergot ergot contaminating, one more time, the mass poisoning in the southern France city of Pont-Saint-Esprit in the year 1951, which many have attributed to ergot-containing bread, actually had nothing to do with ergotism. It rather involved poisoning by an organic mercury compound that was utilized for disinfecting seeds, unquote. Elsewhere, Hopman again peculiarly downplays or evades the truth about the etiology of Pont-Saint-Esprit's Days of Madness. In an eloquently written chapter of Gordon Lawson's classic The Road to Eleusis, Hopman provides an overview of the storied past of Ergot Avai but totally overlooks Pont-Saint-Esprit. And this despite the fact that he and Dr. Uh, Stoll were uh, lecturing the uh, physicians who had been uh, treating the victims of Pont-Saint-Esprit, along with a uh, professor, Giraud. And will be in the following, skipping down. The doctors at the meeting agreed that mercury poisoning was not evident in any manner, especially because of the persistent lack of kidney or liver damage. The evidence was stronger now than it had ever been, Ergotism, especially in light of the traces of ergot found in the analyses at the Marseille Laboratories, was unquestionably the probable cause of the rare outbreak. And did that have anything to do with the uh, Camp Beatrix officials who were visiting France? And uh, the fact that Sandoz and CIA, as noted here, no was Johnson aware that Sandoz and CIA officials were engaged in discreet, ongoing discussions about the, quote, secret upon Saint-Esprit. Again, the fact that Albert Hoffman, uh, along with uh, Dr. Stoll, was addressing the physicians who had treated the Pont Saint-Esprit victims and talking about ergot poisoning and LSD and all of the things it can do, the fact that he was in Pont Saint-Esprit and immediately after the outbreak, and then attributed that to mercury poisoning. Uh, or poisoning from a mercury compound, that is very, very strange, despite the fact that the mercury poisoning thesis had been dismissed by those doctors. Again, uh, check spitfirelist.com for the comments about perifractal. Links at the top of each food for thought uh post, and each written for the record description that will enable, to, enable you to subscribe to the WFMU podcasts and also links at the top of those same food for thought descriptions, food for thought articles, and the written for the record descriptions that will enable you to obtain the flash drive with all of my life's work on it. That flash drive will be updated shortly. This concludes for the record program number 1304, Albert Hoffman, The Nazis, and the CIA. This is being recorded on June 30th of the year 2023. I'm Dave Emery. Have fun.